Hello and welcome to our third episode of First Person Student. We made it to uh, three. Yeah. We succeeded. We succeeded. Past See, the valve. third one is where you really figure out what you're doing, right? Like, that's what I've heard. Um, so we're boned. Take that, Gabe Newell. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're better than Valve, guys. <laughs> this, is, this is the proof. The Voice of GLaDOS did an awesome Reddit AMA. I forgot to mention to you guys. Um, someone asked if there'd be a Portal 3. And then I forgot her name, Ellen. She basically said, sorry, guys. Gabe was attacked by the number three as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, I'd believe it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm joined, as always, uh, by my co-hosts, Renzo Heredia. Yo. And Maxine Rock. Hey there. And I'm Oleg Brodsky. Uh, if you don't know our names yet, uh, it's nice for you to listen, because uh, we like people who listen to us. We also like people who comment on our stuff and mm-hmm. give us feedback and ask us questions. Please. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to start like the show this time. tweet at us. Yeah, I'm going to start the show by mentioning our Twitter account. Uh, Max runs the Twitter account. Max, what is our Twitter handle? Our Twitter handle is at FP underscore students. And you should tweet at me because I never know what I'm supposed to be tweeting. So make, make Max happy. Give her stuff to do. That sounds um, like half the Twitter world. I don't think half the Twitter world knows what they're tweeting. But they just Nobody knows. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Uh, we also have an email in case you want to send something a little more uh, pronounced and longer. Uh, that is firstpersonstudent at gmail.com. Uh, we're very happy to, to hear from you on either place. And if you have any questions that you would like us to answer on the podcast, we'd also be super happy to do that. Um, we really want to We really want to, to, to do what our audience wants to know because that's sort of the whole point of this podcast. Um, but today our topic is programming. Uh, and if you've listened to our previous show, uh, you know that we, we, we start talking about our topic um, and, and we describe our knowledge of it. But uh, for this topic, we decided to uh, have a nice sit-down chat with Ichiro Lam uh, of Dejoban. And he was just so eloquent and well-spoken um, that we're not even going to try and bother uh, to, to give our thoughts because he, his thoughts were just better than ours. I think that's the best way to put it. Well, also, none of us are programmers, unfortunately. Is- uh, yeah. So I think we got basically everything that we could have said, he already said. Yeah, well, so. I, I took Code Academy classes and I made a drop-down menu for a website. Nice. I learned how, so I, I know my JavaScript guys. I, I think I think I can code. So fantastic. So I'm I'm clearly correcting you, Maxine. I know <laughs> my uh, code. So I used I used a a code program to work in a translation once. Once <laughs> experience totally. resume. Experience. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> the point of the matter is. Uh, Joe's great, and uh, we hope that you'll stick around and listen to him in the second segment because we're going to transition right to there. Um, so thanks for listening, and uh, keep 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 it tuned here as uh, you listen to the dulcet tones of Ichiro Lamb.
welcome back to our second segment. Uh, joining us now is Ichiro Lamb. Uh, what is your title at Dejoban? I actually don't know. I basically go by founder, president. Uh, I'm just, you know, a guy. You're just a guy. So we're talking with uh, Ichiro Lamb, a guy. Uh, and you really, I mean, in my way at least, you really are Dejoban uh, to, to a large extent. I mean, you guys are, uh, are varying in size constantly. You know, you, you take on people for projects and then uh, you move on as, as needed. You're a very project-defined studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and your projects, uh, can you tell us about a, a few of them? Sure. Well, let's see. We just launched a game called Elegy for a Dead World, which is a title in which you explore long-dead civilizations based on the works of British Romance-era poets, and then you write fiction about them. And we're probably best known for our award-winning base jumping title, which is called... Ah! which is uh how many a's what's it called again it's called ah 20 uh 25 letter a's in a row which is about jumping off of a perfectly good building creating your own stunts and flipping people off for points that (laughs) sickness i don't get motion sickness from anything but i tried to play that and i was just like nope nope this does not work for me (laughs) i'm sorry did you do it on the on the rift or uh, just on the screen just on the screen Oh, I, don't, I don't know what it is. So uh, you can I need... play that game on the Rift. Yes. We oh were, my goodness. Yes. We were one of the inaugural Rift games. I think we we're one of the most downloaded uh, t- games on the Oculus Rift Share site. And congratulations. We... Thank you. Uh, let's see what else. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna throw up from using an Oculus Rift, you might as well go hard on it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, so you've you've made a lot of games. You've been an indie long before we really used the term indie. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your your journey from, uh, you know, the, when you started making games to to now? Sure. Well, I started creating games when I was about seven years old in the early '80s, and my first, uh, I guess, commercial title was 1988. Back when. Uh, bulletin board system doors were a thing and you know when you had to dial up on a 2400 baud modem and I uh, and a friend got together and we created a text-based multiplayer game and started selling that and realized oh you know we can actually make money at this albeit a little you know small amount of money and it was that at, at that point where I realized that I you know I love doing games as a hobby and I wanted to do that as a living when I grew up so now that you've uh, I've gotten a little older, uh, and you've you've worked on a lot of different games, um, you, from my understanding, you're 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 like the head, the lead programmer essentially, in a lot of ways. Where uh, you might I don't know if how much you you necessarily do of the programming anymore, but I know you you steer a lot of the design direction and like the tone of the games and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so so let's answer that question first. How much do you still code each Are you can you really chop it as a programmer anymore? Well, that's a good question. So I, over the decade and a half, have been slowly being edged out or edging myself out as a programmer and leaving it to the, you know, the the experts. Uh, I have not done any coding on our two most recent titles, uh, you know, not production coding, although I do still do occasional tools coding. However, given that I, you know, I'm a programmer at heart and I cut my eye teeth on Texas Instruments 994A Basic, 
And so for our upcoming title, I am doing all of the prototype programming myself. And once that, again, turns into real production code that gamers are going to actually see, I will hand that off to people. So uh, can I can I hack it? You know, I, I'm sure I can code with the best of them, but I think uh, people who specialize in programming should be the ones that actually do the production work. So I think there's a very important distinction you made there between production code and, and prototype code. For those that don't know, um, besides the fact that production code is, is what players will see, what, what are there are there other big differences between the two? I guess the the largest difference is that the prototyping code can and should be ugly. You know, when you're building a house, you hire an architect, and that architect designs a house. Whereas when you're doing prototyping, you don't necessarily want to design anything, uh, or you you know you don't have to design anything. Oftentimes, you're doing a bunch of exploration. So it's just sort of like building a Lego model where you're exploring and you're putting things together and they may not work it out really cleanly because of, uh, you know, oh, I built this wall over here and oops, I forgot to put any wiring in it. So let's, you know, let's bash out the wall and stick some wiring in and we'll plaster it over. That that stuff is okay in the pre-production and you don't really want to do that in actual proper code. Ichiro, actually, I have a quick question. Um, my friend Rowan mentioned that you were a graduate of Worcester Polytechnic uh, Institute, just, you mm -hmm. know, down the road to uh, near greater Boston. How much of programming were you able to learn at that college compared to what you've been able to learn in real life? Sure. They, you know, so I graduated in 98, and that was before they had a game development program. So, uh, you know, I, a lot of students who were interested in the field had to learn on their own. And obviously there were degrees like, you know, a computer science degree that you could get to learn how to code. However, uh, I, I majored in physics because I said, oh, you know, I've been doing programming all my life. I want to do something different. And I guess, uh, you know, so, so in that case, very little uh, was, you know, I, I, I learned very little formally, although I did get a minor in computer science. And I think that's okay, although that did, uh, I think that made, makes me a sloppier coder because I didn't, you know, I had to sort of learn organically what a lot of people learn, quote unquote, the right way to do. So although, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot in, in some of my CS classes where, you know, they were more theoretical the underpinnings are stuff that I was self-taught at, and therefore, uh, you know, I, maybe I could have done better if I had taken classes. What do you feel like students should do now? Should they f focus fully on the material that they could learn for their computer science or game design degree at their college, try and get all of their knowledge from there, or should they try and branch off while they're in school, trying to figure out as they go, um, you know, working on outside projects to figure out what to do? Oh, that's a great question, and I would definitely say uh, personal projects as much as you can on top of your coursework. And that is in no small part because game development as an industry is very competitive. It's becoming increasingly competitive. You know, there are probably 10 times as many people who want to get into it as there are spots uh, in the actual industry. So if you do something amazing above and beyond your coursework, uh, that's going to help you in 
you know, and actually learning how to, to develop a game, but it's also going to impress the heck out of people who are looking at your resume. So when we talk about programming and game development, we usually have a, a pretty good broad idea of what that is. It's fairly easy to explain to an outsider. Um, but what are some of the things that you feel people don't quite have an appreciation for in terms of what a, a programmer for a game actually does? Mm. I think a really good programmer designs uh, understands design a little more than a you know than a pure uh, you know systems programmer. So being able to suss out game mechanics and to sort of you know to have designed games, I think that's really useful. And a really good programmer understands the art pipeline. So you know when you talk to an artist, there are uh, you know there. There's a bunch of language. There are a bunch of, you know, conventions that that artist uh, is going to use. And if the programmer knows what the artist's problems and pain points and desires are, uh, by virtue of having worked in art, then that's going to be a better, uh, you know, that's going to be a better team member. So you work as an indie, and as we mentioned, you you know you upscale, downscale your teams as as necessary for your project. Um, obviously, AAA does a similar thing, but in a much broader scope. Uh, so what do you think are some of the differences between being uh, a programmer for an indie team as opposed to being a programmer on a AAA team? Sure. Well, I guess it has to do with specialization. Uh, so can I say that? Specialization, specialization. There, I pronounced it right. Uh, on a huge AAA team, or you know, when you're when you're part of any big team, you're going to most likely specialize. So you might be a tools programmer for a particular, you know, hey, I'm doing this in 3D and I want to do some procedural model generation. That's going to be my focus. Uh, or you're going to be, you know, you're going to be coding, I don't know, the server side uh, database stuff. Uh, on an indie team, I think we all wear many hats. So the programmer will be doing tools, coding, game logic, you know, parts of the art pipeline, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, more often than not, you know, PR stuff and, uh, you know, giving presentations and all that jazz. So I would say, you know, if you if you really like to, uh, to wear many hats, you should go indie. Uh, looking back on the games that you've worked on, what are some of the, the hardest systems or features or, or bugs that you've encountered that you've had to deal with? Mm. So let me let me scope up uh, and talk about the toughest problems that I've had to deal with, and and that speaks back uh, to why I don't code so much, and that is the separation of actual implementation and design and business, and these three things are really, mm, I mean, they're all interconnected, obviously, but you need to separate them so that they don't start creeping in on each other. When we did AWE in 2009, I was the lead programmer on that, and I was also running the studio as a studio, and I was also doing design on the game. And so when I was thinking about the design, I would always think, oh, geez, you know, we're, we're six months into development. Do I want to add that feature? Uh, you know, my programmer hat would slip on, and I'd be like, well, you know, Maybe I really don't want to program that. That's going to be a huge pain in the ass. Let me take this, let me cut these corners. And then my designer hat would come on and I'd say, oh, yeah, you know, it's going to be tough to try that out. Maybe we want to go in that direction. 
And, you know, as you can imagine, same for business. Oh, we want to, you know, do we really want to port to this platform? Yeah, I don't want to port to this platform. We'll leave that for later because the programmer hat says, you know, it's going to take a bunch of time. I think the best thing that I did was to separate those out such that I can think about design and not have to worry about the implementation. So obviously I have to still, um, you know, the, the design still has to make sense and we have to implement in a resource effective fashion. However, I don't, you know, as I'm designing out a system, I don't think about how difficult it is going to be to, you know, oh God, I have to parse this JSON code and, and this means I have to interface with this tool. I just design it and come up with the best, uh, you know, with the best game mechanics. That's a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, um, I'm, I've always wondered this um, with, you know, the positions you have experience in and the hats you've had to wear. What other areas of making a game do you feel like programmers should know, if they should know anything? Like, me as a sound person, I usually rely on the programmer to implement everything into a game. Is there anything that they should know or I should know in my position that will help with the the development of the game itself? Well, yeah. I think that every team member should have a passing understanding and sort of a working knowledge in any uh, particular field. So sound design is an excellent example of something that I feel is, I mean, it deserves a lot more love than it gets. And if, you know, if you, you know, I'm sure you've worked with, with well, maybe, you know, I'm assuming that you've worked with programmers uh, in your capacity as a sound designer mm -hmm. and they just sort of don't get it. They're like, oh yeah, let's compress these signals to like six kilohertz and, you know, uh, you know, whatever other problems uh, you might have. If a programmer works, for instance, in a game jam as a sound designer, they'll sort of understand what it means that you just can't toss 50 billion sounds together because they're going to, you know, they're going to be competing across the frequency spectrum. You know, you need to have some sounds up here, up to, you know, the, 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 you know, the higher frequencies, and then you can combine them with the lower frequencies and, uh, and so forth and so on. And, you know, you don't need a, a degree in coding if you're a sound designer, but likewise, if you say pick up game maker for a weekend and you program a game, you will probably understand the programmer's pain points. And I think that applies to pretty much everything, you know, the art, the programming, the design, the sound, and uh, I, you know, probably the least, hmm, what is the term I'm looking for? Uh, you know, the field that the actual production folks delve into least is business and, and the marketing and the PR side of things. And I think knowing all of these makes it possible to pick up things in the individual areas and say, ah, these connect together. So I can say, you know, I, I know about PR and I know about sound and therefore, you know, if we do this with the audio, I, I, you know, I don't have an example off the top of my head, but, you know, let's do this interesting thing in audio and, you know, it'll become a, a little more interesting from the marketing standpoint. That's so funny you mentioned that we, um, at Berkeley College of Music, we managed to have our very first game jam, and mm -hmm. we used Game Maker for that weekend. And it was the absolute best way for sound designers who probably wouldn't know, you know, a line of HTML. You'd be able to just make a game to just quickly make something, put things together, and have something playable. For, for folks, like even like artists as well, who may not have knowledge with code, are there recommendations 
for artists, sound designers, content makers to to look at and study, whether it's certain languages you recommend or certain programs to use and practice with? You know, if you have a limited amount of time to delve into other people's areas of expertise, then I would say go as high level as possible. So something like Game Maker, uh, and you know, you can make a, a million dollars selling game in Game Maker. So it's it's you know it's a real tool, uh, but it allows you to get a lot of interesting stuff done with relatively little upfront effort. You know, if you jump into C Sharp or, or Python or, or Ruby or whatever, there's a lot that you need to learn. So if you pick up a tool like GameMaker Pro, then within a weekend you could probably sort of grok you know, at least a little bit about, uh, you know, where the programmer is coming from. If somebody, you know, didn't go to school for um, programming, but they were thinking, you know, they wanted to get into the, the games industry. I know Unity is free now and um, that other one. Oh, there's okay. Unreal. Yes, um, that one, Unreal, is free. Like, what would you suggest for somebody just starting out kind of thinking, they want to learn how to program and maybe do their own game or join an indie or something? Whew, that is a good question. It is a really tough question. Um, you know, there are so many good ways to start. And I think Unity is really excellent. I mean, we use that for a number of our projects and it has cut the development time down. And people are using that to enter game development. So, you know, if you want, you know, if you want to pick up Unity, that that is that's a that's a possible way or, uh, you know, UDK slash Unreal. I really I think tools like, again, bringing it back to GameMaker uh, or, you know, Monkey or, or whatever the heck that you want to use that maybe it's a little less sexy and fewer people use it, but it might it allow you know it might allow you to focus on the mechanics of the game rather than oh my god I got to allocate this memory and you know am I, am I exiting the program right or are these callback handlers doing their thing? I really would pick a, uh, a a tool that's as high level as possible. I mean hell, learn how to how to code Python. I love Python, uh, and it is very beginner friendly. It's you know it's 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 one opinion. It's not going to be the right opinion for everybody, but I do see people sometimes bouncing off of the tougher stuff, and that that seems like a shame to me. Would you generally recommend that people find a tool that fits their game idea rather than what is the most popular or the sexiest or whatever? Are we talking for somebody who's coding for the first time or trying to do a production thing? Uh, for first timers primarily. Um, I think a first timer should take an existing game, be it in whatever tool, and modify that. And that is extremely gratifying because suddenly you change the gravity or the, you know, the game mechanics over the course of a couple of days instead of doing things from the ground up. If you have your idea for the game that you must create and it's going to be like, I don't know, Dota 3, except it's going to be done in space and yada, yada, yada. Uh, and that's your first game. I don't, I, I kind of don't care what tool you use. I think that that's a tough proposition and then you might be biting off more than you can chew. So with that in mind, would you generally recommend 
that uh, people who are interested in making games from the programming side, that they enter that through modding? I think that's absolutely one way to do it. You know, there's there's the modding community out there, but, you know, there's also just taking people's programs, you know, less of a mod, but, you know, looking at open source stuff, tearing them apart and doing stuff with them. So it, you know, if you were to take, I don't know, you to take, uh, what's open source and awesome? Open source and awesome. Jeez. Yeah. Okay, so, take, you know, I haven't, I have not, uh, played with much open source uh, complete games. But, you know, if you take something that is complete and you modify that, uh, it's, you know, it's not a mod per se, but it's, I, I guess you could argue it's modding a game. I don't know what the what the distinction would be. One example um, that I can name, at least for audio, is Limbo. Um, people are able to take the, Wise is the middleware program that connects the audio to the game. And a lot of people are able to, use it to make their own audio like their own music and also the sound effects that go into it um i know that's a very popular one that people can use a lot of students do students have used it at berkeley college of music uh for audio projects i think that's an excellent idea yeah so one of the things that you guys do is make very different games i mean elegy is very different from ah very different from drunken robot pornography different from monster loves you uh that must be very interesting from the perspective of programming because you never, I don't think you'd, you'd ever really have a set of code that you could recycle too often or, you know, make changes to or improve. You, it feels like you kind of have to start from scratch. Is that true or is it easier than I'm describing? We like to repurpose code a lot and... Uh, so yes, what you're saying is absolutely true. So Monster Loves You is a visual novel and Drunken Robot Pornography is a first-person bullet hell shooter. So there are dissimilarities. However, there is a language underpinning the two. So, you know, in Drunken Robot Pornography, you actually go around uh, in sort of like a, a, a meta map and then you pick battles that you fight and you have these interactions uh, in sort of like a like a textual fashion. And that meta game is written in exactly the same language that, that the game, uh, you know, that the content within Monster Loves You is written. So it's a, you know, it's a language called BOA. And we, you know, one of the reasons that we share that language is so that we didn't have to uh, sort of retool our game designers for both of those projects. So even in a project or two projects that are as dissimilar as a visual novel and a first person shooter, we can share a bunch of code. If there was one piece of advice uh, that you could give your, your younger self um, when you were first starting out and first really getting into making games, what would, what would you have told yourself? Whew. You're limiting me to one piece of advice. Oh my gosh. You only uh, get one. I only get one. Make it I have good. like two minutes of of time to go back twenty years into you know, <laughs> and to talk to myself. God, what would it be? Uh, many self taught programmers, I include myself in this group, are really they well, I lacked a certain amount of discipline and organization. So my 
advice to my earlier self would be to step back every week and to sort of scope up and think about the midterm and long term of the projects that I'm working on. So, you know, as a programmer, I just I, I love doing what I'm doing. You know, I get into these problems, you know, this problem solving mode. And it's like, oh, what is this next thing that I need to solve? Okay, that's great. Oh, now, you know, in this prototype, six months down the line, when this turns into a game, we're, we're going to have to worry about memory allocation. So I better create this system. Well, I probably don't need to do that. So what I would have done instead, you know, what I would say to myself is, listen, think about the goals and objectives that you have for this week, for this month, for the half of the year, for the end of the year, and write them out on paper. And every day ask myself, am I working towards those goals and objectives? And if not, why not? You know, is it because they're they're stupid? If they're, are, they, are they out of date? Or am I just doing something that's wasting time? And I think that would have literally saved me years of development projects on dead end, uh, sorry, development time on dead end projects. And probably I'd be, you know, maybe farther along on some of uh, what I want to be doing. Yeah, that's that's very good advice. Uh, if people are interested in, in checking out some of those games or uh, hearing about the next project when it's announced, where should they uh, go to do that? Well, you go to dejaban.com. That's uh, spelled just like it's pronounced, D-E-J-O-B-A-A-N.com. And we're also on Steam, etc., etc. Awesome. Thank you so much for the time, Ichiro. Thank you. Thank you. Perfect. Thanks so much, Ichiro. In the next segment, we'll be back to talk some about uh, to talk about some of the uh, the recent gaming news uh, and uh, what we all think of that. Uh, but now we bid adieu to Ichiro, and we wish you luck moving forward. Good luck on this next mysterious project. We're all Thank very you. excited to hear about it. Thank you. Welcome back for our third segment. Uh, so we teased a little bit of news. We've decided to dump news. Uh, Steam refunds are a big deal, but we're not going to talk about them because everybody said all the interesting stuff that I could think of. Um, we're going to just dive right into our E3 predictions. Uh, so fun fact, we are making these predictions before E3 starts. You will he you're hearing them now in the present future uh, after you already know. <laughs> What happened in the wake of E3? You get to hear what we thought might have happened. Exactly, and uh, you get to laugh at all the dumb things we said, um, and we'll 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 make fun of ourselves. I'm sure after we've been proven wrong horribly. I'm I'm really uh, excited for the future. The hoverboards, the flying cars. I, I'm really excited. You know, um, back to the five future. Days in the future. Yeah, back yeah. to the future. It was 2015, and they had all those hoverboards in the future. So I'm I'm so excited for us to to get to that point. In this it's quick soon. time. Yeah. Uh, so let's, uh, I'll explain how this is going to work. Um, we're going to go through 
every single one of the major press conferences, uh, not including Oculus, because they cheated and they went well before E3 started. Um, I mean, VR is still a a muddy slop to get through anyways, so there's all this stuff I noticed. You can Google that. (laughs) Yeah, what do you need us for? Just Google everything. (laughs) Yeah, geez, Google everything we're telling you. Why are you listening to this podcast? Uh, so we're going to go through each of the press conferences in uh, chronological order, uh, and we're going to give three things. Each of us is going to say three major things about each press conference. We're going to going to give our no-duh announcement. That's whatever the, the really obvious thing that they have to announce, and we'd be shocked if it wasn't mentioned. Uh, then we're going to give our pleasant surprise, basically something that we're hoping to see back, but we're not really super expecting. Um, and then the big reveal, and this is where we really, we're going to take a shot and we're going to say something crazy like, uh, you know, Microsoft is going to reveal Half-Life 3, um, which that's not my thing, but that's sort of the level I'm talking about. Um, so, uh, we're going to start with Bethesda. Uh, they're speaking first. It's, uh, it's a new one for them. This is the first time they've done a, a, an E3 press conference. Uh, just to give a little bit of background, uh, they just recently announced Fallout 4, which is going to be set in our uh, home burb of Boston. Uh, so that's really interesting. And there have been rumors about Doom 4. So that's going to be my no-duh. Uh, we're going to see the first gameplay of Doom 4. Uh, I think that's that's going to be that's going to be Bethesda's opening move. Uh, Renzo, what do you think is going to be their no duh? Uh, Boston, uh, Fallout Four, that's my no. But I think definitely the no duh is probably to me it'll be their focus on Fallout Four. I was curious what you thought, Oleg. But uh, if they do an opening move with Doom, people are going to want to hear more as well. You know, as they've announced Fallout Four. You know, doing more with showing what it is and whatnot. Um, I can't. Obviously, the that game is the no duh, but I feel like they would show more in terms of hopefully gameplay. That's it's more of a hope thing, but I'm very hopeful that they'll show that. Yeah, I agree with you, Renzo. I just think that they're going to save that for a little bit later in the show. They're not going to lead with it. Um, though, if they did, I wouldn't be surprised because it's definitely what's in everyone's uh, minds when it comes to Bethesda right now. What about you, Max? What's your no duh? Yeah, I guess probably either Doom or, you know, everybody knows that Elder Scrolls Online is, is going to the consoles. So that'll be like kind of the, oh yeah, BT dubs, this is coming out. You don't have to play it on your PC kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a fair one. And uh, speaking of Elder Scrolls Online, that takes me to my pleasant surprise, which is I think that they're going to announce that Elder Scrolls Online will be moving to a free-to-play model um, because that is still a subscription-based game. And yeah. I think that uh, they're going to they're gonna make the change that Wildstar made a few uh, weeks ago. Um, what do you think, Max? Do you think, is that your pleasant surprise too, or you, you got something else up your sleeve? Uh, yeah, that's probably my pleasant surprise. Uh, I would kind of hope so because I'm really, I like those free-to-play games. And I always wanted to check it out, but there's a lot of things that I just can't check out unless it's, you know, free to play. Yep, that that's that's totally fair, Renzo. I think not even just free to play. I could totally see. Um, what would I see? I can see Elder Scrolls Six like all consoles, 
And then really, I think so. That's your pleasant surprise. That's not your big reveal. Your pleasant surprise is announcement of Elder Scrolls Six. That's mine. Wow, that's a that's a big. Sh- I would have saved that for a big reveal. I mean, they just announced Fallout Four. Uh, Skyrim is is still like what two three years old. Mm-hmm. But you're already calling Elder Scrolls Six. All right, that's a ballsy movement. All right, then I'm, I'm excited. Tell me your big reveal, man. What's what do you what do you think that they're going to shock us with? It, see, I feel like here's what I think. I feel like their big sort of you know huge thing with like showing what everything they're doing was with Fallout Four. And to me, I feel like even though that's their big reveal that they'll focus on on the show, they're going to end it by saying like, "By the way, guys, we got we have something else on the plate." Got something that'll change in a free-to-play as well. Boom. Teaser. Elder Scrolls 6. So I would say that would be the big reveal. The ple- I'll switch oh, it. Big reveal, so Elder Scrolls 6. Pleasant surprise. Uh, Fallout 4 gameplay. What were you going to say, Max? Oh, so you kind of think that, like, it's going to be... Like, obviously we know they're doing Fallout. But so you think that they're just going to be like, oh, BT dubs in like two years, you're going to get another one. That's what I think. That I think, I think they're going to pull uh, a square Enix, kind of like what square Enix, yeah. Enix did with like, uh, the new kingdom with, uh, the new final fantasy, final fantasy 15. And then they said, Oh, we got something, uh, King of hearts related, you know, just check it out. And then boom, King of hearts three. So yeah, that's that maybe. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. I, we really should call the big reveal the, Oh, one more thing. Uh, because that's that's my favorite moment in a lot of these press conferences is when the they're wrapping up and like you're like oh that's a lot of cool stuff and they're like oh uh, so there's one other thing we wanted to show you guys before we before we wrapped it up uh, and then they hit you with something big like that. Yeah. Uh, I think Bethesda is gonna be like Elder Scrolls for the mobile and it's gonna be like a lot better than the Game of Thrones one but similar to that. Really. Yeah, Elder like, Scrolls on like, mobile. By the way, we've got stuff for mobile because literally everyone is doing mobile, and I'm probably wrong, but that's what this guess is for. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a ballsy pick. That's a ballsy pick, and no argument there. Uh, if I had to pick something, I would say Dishonored crossed with Wolfenstein. That's my call. That they're gonna have Ooh. a. I think that would be a really cool game. I have no idea how that would really work, honestly. I want to play that already. Yeah, I don't I know think, what it is, and I want to play it. Yeah, it, it just sounds super awesome, and uh, that would be my, my hope for, for one more thing. So that was, that was the Bethesda conference. We had a couple cool things that we threw in there. Let's move on to Microsoft. Uh, let's start with you this time, Max. What is your no-duh for Microsoft? Oh, gosh, my no-duh for Microsoft. Um, I had something for this. I think I was going to say that uh, Microsoft is going to be just, like, really focusing in on the Xbox One because it's been struggling. And so they're going to, like, really focus in on Halo 5, the exclusive Tomb Raider. Like, you know, the Christmas season lineup that they have of these, like, big names. Yeah, that sounds fair. Renzo, what about you? I have, like, Microsoft is tough. Because since they've only got console to really focus on, um, it's kind of hard to see. It's kind of hard to think if maybe right now they'll do the big move of, you know, either going, doing something mobile or doing something else that um, would 
sort of compensate with what everyone else is doing. So I don't have a no dove for them. It's I, I'm kind of having a hard time predicting what they'll do. What do you think, Oleg? Well, this this no dove for some people is probably going to be a bit of a pleasant surprise. But I think, based on what I've I've been hearing, uh, my no dove is that Microsoft is going to announce the next main Gears of War game for Xbox One hmm. uh, at the conference. Uh, I think that's a, that's a bit of a stretch, but not too far. Uh, Black Tusk which is the studio up in Vancouver, which just got renamed to something, and I can't remember what. Uh, they've been reported to be working on that for a long time. Uh, so I think that's, that's they're finally going to come out and reveal what that is. I'm excited to see that. Um, and that sort of segues into my, my pleasant surprise, uh, which is something that I just totally blanked on, clearly. Um, let's come back to me. Uh, Renzo, what's your pleasant surprise? All right. I have one, but it may be a no-duh. Xbox One price drop. I could see that. Like, another one. Well, yeah, I could totally see that. They kind of already did that. Um, so they announced uh, a week ago uh, that they're coming out with a new one terabyte model, which is going to, to take the 399 SKU. So the, nor- the, one that, the Xbox One that currently exists is going to permanently to 349. So that, oh, okay. okay, I didn't see they dropped that one. So that, that's awesome. Okay. Sorry to steal your thunder. It's so no duh. It's already happened, so it's all good. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Max. What are you What are you thinking? What's your pleasant surprise? Uh, my pleasant surprise would be an announcement where they're like, uh, kind of moving away from the exclusive, like the Xbox exclusives, and kind of merging uh, more of their stuff with PC. Because I did see kind of an announcement that Microsoft was thinking they're going to integrate Xbox Live with Windows 10. So I'd like to see some of the games that haven't previously been available on Xbox 360. Or, I mean, Xbox One. I'm still in the last gen. Uh, Xbox One uh, available. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be be definitely a pleasant surprise. Yeah, yeah, because you can get... There's cross-platform stuff on like steam for the pc so i'm hoping you know those jrpgs i can never play yeah i think that that definitely be a good pleasant surprise um for me i think my my pleasant surprise uh would be a new ip uh that's that's going to try and sort of challenge uh i shouldn't say new ip no i take that all back i take that all back not a new ip uh, I my pleasant surprise would be a a Minecraft Hololens demo. Yeah, I think that Ooh. would be super cool. Yep. Um, I you can know see they that. they had that big Hololens thing uh, a few months back, and they obviously they own Minecraft, so you got to do something with that. I think that's going to be a big focus on the show, and I think it'd be super cool to see uh, Hololens mentioned with Minecraft because that that seems like a no brainer to me. Um, and then finally, for our, our one more thing, mm-hmm. I'm going to go on a limb here, uh, as, as we all should, and say Battletoads for Xbox Damn it. One. You took mine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Battletoads, uh. Yeah, Battletoads for Xbox One. That's the if, shot I'm calling. That's, that's, they're going to end the press conference with Battletoads. All right. I'm going to hit a curveball. If not Battletoads... 
grabbed by the ghoulies because I think wow. I think Rare's going to come and say, "Hey guys, we're here and bring back an old franchise." Like we've already got we've already got a uh, Banjo-Kazooie's spiritual successor coming out. I think Rare's going to be true. like, "Yo, we got we we got something too, guys." So Honestly, those like retro style kind of 3D platformers, there's one called Lucky's Tale that looks super adorable. Those are like really popular all of a sudden. Again, mm. the nostalgia factor is taken over. So I think that that actually could be that could happen. Yeah, I think that's a great pick because Rare's been very quiet since they've been doing the Connectimals and Connect Sports and all that crap. So Yeah, I want them to do something that they used to do. I love Rare. Yeah, so that's that's a great pick, Renzo. Uh I I would be very happy to see something like that. Max, what's your one more. Thing. I I am going to stay in the vein of ri- ridiculous things that probably won't happen. I think I'm going to be the one who's just, you know, I'm that one Fox newscaster who's I am Nancy Grace. Okay. Um, she's, isn't she isn't she like MSNBC now actually? I actually have no idea, but all I know is she's nuts though. So yes, um sure. my way out there prediction is that they're going to sell Xbox One. They're going to sell their Xbox division. They're going to sell their Xbox division? Yep. They're going to end like the press it. conference with them selling the Xbox division? I like it. Yep. What? Yep. Conso- what? Well, okay. To who? Pe- people have- I don't know. Somebody's going somebody's gonna to take it. Elsa's going to take it over. I'll go ahead and take it. People have doubts they on are, consoles. They are very behind uh, versus the PS4. They're not that and far And they're going to sell it. <laughs> That's my prediction. I'm not taking it back. you got to deal with it. Do you it. think wow, they'll go... No, it's- do you think they'd go Who's all mobile next? by the end? They'd be like, screw everything, we're, t- <laughs> we're jumping. It's just, literally everyone is going mobile. <laughs> you guys, you guys so, have uh, lost your minds, what the hell? So EA is next. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Give me a second to process this. Microsoft is going to end their press conference on Xbox Maxine by dropped, selling Xbox. Maxine has dropped the mic, I'm sorry. Yeah, seriously. I think we're, we're not even, we're, that was the second press conference and you already <laughs> dropped the bomb, what the hell? So, um, EA is next. Uh, my no duff for EA is there's going to be a lot of sports games this year. <laughs> yes. Nobody would have guessed that one. Yeah, uh, that's, that's, that's so, definitely true. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's honestly, I don't really care that much for EA, so that's the only thing I, I'm I got. Not a, yeah, I'm not big on sports games myself. I respect them for being, like, super realistic, but, yeah. Well, they're kind of doing some other stuff now, you know, Star Wars. Uh, and, uh, there's a new Mirror's Edge, I think. Yep. yep. So that actually brings me to my node, uh, which is we're going to see Star Wars Battlefront yep. Yep. gameplay footage. We're going to see actual gameplay, not just the crap that they showed off at the Star Wars Day thing a few months back. Yeah. Uh, which that, and we're going to, and we're going to get impressions from people on the show floor talking about how awesome Star Wars Battlefront is. And it's going to get me super pumped for, uh, this, this fall. Renzo, what's yours? I think um, I think actually being interactive gameplay would probably be a good one. Um, I'll go ahead and put that as a note. I'm still a little hopeful on that, but I think uh, you know just boots where people can actually play it. I think that'll be something. And then seeing people's reviews and see what they think of it. So I'll go ahead and say that is my note. Okay. What's your uh, pleasant surprise? <sighs> hmm. Should this be pleasant or big reveal? <laughs> no, come on. Save the big reveals. Max drops bombs. You gotta, you gotta compete with that. Pleasant surprise, Mirror's Edge 2. Well, I mean, we already know Mirror's Edge 2 is gonna be there. I would it's got say... A, it's got a subtitle, even. Mirror's Edge gameplay and interactive. That would be 
and interactive. Yes. And interactive, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. I uh, I have to say I agree. That that's my thing. If they, I mean, obviously I won't be able to play it, but if they really show off Mirror's Edge, like I want to see that real bad. I think it's gonna look gorgeous. Okay. Uh, so my pleasant surprise, and this is sort of, I'm a little swayed because I've been playing uh, the previous game, uh, is Dead Space Four. That's um, my pleasant mm-hmm. surprise. I've been working my way through Dead Space 3. I think I'm pretty close to the end. I've oh, been really great. enjoying it. Uh, so Dead Space 4 is what I'm hoping for. I think that'd be an awesome surprise. Uh, and that would definitely that would definitely get me to, to probably buy day one. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's been a really solid franchise. And obviously I know Visceral has been working on uh, a, a Star Wars game. But I still think that... I still think... I'm holding out hope for Dead Space. All right? That's... That'd be my dream. Yeah. Um, and my big reveal is, uh, and you got you got hold on, hold on for a second, because uh, there's been rumors of a new Mass Effect game. Uh, Bioware's been talking about it. We know that it's coming. Um, Mass Effect console MMO. That would be what? perfect. Oh man. Yep. Ooh, I have a. So in the vein of Destiny, something like that, but maintaining you know a lot of the awesome story stuff that they did with swotor uh but not subscription free to play and it's going to be available next year mm-hmm. that's my that's my shot that's, that's that what i'm calling soon? It. yep next year okay. they've been working on it they've been working on something mass effect for for a couple of years now so we know that we just don't know you know what it is really uh but uh what do you what do you think renzo what do you got i would say a mass effect moba would be a big one mass effect moba a Mass Effect MOBA? I know what? that'll be your favorite, Oleg. I know you love MOBA. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe something in the realm of Battleborn. I think that's actually not too far-fetched. But I don't <laughs> think we're going to see something like League from them. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's you're not shying away with that pick. Uh, what about you, Max? What? How are you gonna? How are you gonna shock me this time? <laughs> um, I know next to nothing about EA. So my crazy bomb dropper is gonna be they're gonna like release something completely off the wall in the realm of sports like like a sports MOBA or like they're gonna do like Quidditch or something like that they did have a Quidditch game back in the day I remember they had a Quidditch game but I'm like like something like really crazy like nobody's gonna want to play that and everyone's gonna scratch their head like EA why okay all right, that's interesting. Not where I thought where I thought you'd be you'd go. I was expecting mobile. They're going mobile. Soccer on the <laughs> Soccer iPad. Soccer mobile. Soccer mobile. Soccer mobile is pretty. <laughs> now I'm trying to figure out what that would look like. That's looked... actually really. Yeah, isn't weird. that neat? I'm so inventive. <gasps> okay, moving on. I know, no, uh, I have one now. Um, I don't know what the soccer edition was, but I think. Like NFL Blitz or MLB Slugfest, I would love like a call back to that again. I love those games, so that'd be cool. Those old arcadey uh, sports yeah. games. So if they did a MOBA, I feel like it would. They would have um, ah, who was the developer for those? But I think they would have. I don't know if it was Midway. I think about it. No, no, the, that was not Midway. Okay, but I think Midway did NBA Jam, uh, but uh, NFL Blitz was not Midway. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, let's move on to Ubisoft. Uh, so Ubisoft obviously announced Assassin's Creed Syndicate recently. So uh, that's my no-duh. Um, that's going to be there 
we're going to see gameplay. Hopefully, it won't break like the Assassin's Creed Black Flag video did. Um, that was awkward, uh, but I think that'd be cool. And and no, Mr. Caffeine. Um, no, Mr. Caffeine. That's so two two no does for me. Um, Max, what's your no duh? Um, my no duh is that you know the they're they're doing two Tom Clancy ones also. And they're going to be, there's going to be footage, and it's going to be boring. Oh, come on. I'm looking forward to Rainbow Six, the Siege. That looks I, cool. I want it to be, don't get me wrong, I want it to be good. But I don't want my expectations to get high, because I used to love the Tom Clancy ones. And, like, every shooter that's come out in the past couple of years has been literally the same thing. Modern Warfare, or Advanced Warfare, tried to do something different, and it was moderately successful, but I don't, just don't think that, you know, basically everyone's basing off their shooters for, from Call of Duty, and... I'm just glad Rainbow Six isn't dead, because Rainbow Six Vegas was such a fantastic franchise. Uh, some of the best co-op gameplay uh, at the beginning of the Xbox 360, uh, and Vegas 2 was great as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see that, and I I, I'm with you. I don't want to get my hopes up, but it's too late. They're already up. Uh, so, Renzo, why don't you take it away? What's your no-duh? My no-duh um, would be they're going to delay Assassin's Creed. They're going to hype up the release. It's going to come out. That's this your no-duh. There's going to be bugs, and people are going to hate it. That's my no-duh. Your no-duh no is that they're going to delay AC Syndicate? Yeah. Wow. That's I a ballsy no-duh. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, considering the performance lately. I even believe if, it. Even if they don't do it at E3, I already know. They're not gonna they're making these games so quickly. I don't care how much they're being awake on the reviews that they got from Unity and the issues that they had with it. I, I don't think they're gonna I'm having less faith in Ubisoft now. And I don't think they're gonna keep up with what fans are, you know, saying and what they want. So that's my prediction. Wow. That's that's a ballsy no duh. Thank I gotta you. say. I would I not try. pick that. I try. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then let's. Um, I'm curious. What's your What's your pleasant surprise then? My personal pleasant surprise would be Watch Dogs Two. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I I could yeah. definitely see that because I think, and it's mostly because I there were parts of Watch Dogs that I loved. Um, I love the open worldness about it, and that particular game. I feel like if they focused on, they could make well. It's mostly being optimistic, but that would be an awesome and very pleasant surprise if they talked about that. Okay. Max, uh, what's your pleasant surprise? Uh, my pleasant surprise would actually be the opposite of Renzo's No Duh. I would be pleasantly surprised if Syndicate goes off without a hitch, and it's Ouch. great. Okay, okay. That's, I understand what you're getting at, but we're talking about within the conference. No, that's what I'm talking about. Without a clue, I'd be I'd be pleasantly surprised if just it just is gorgeous and it looks super duper fun. Okay, all right, that's all right. That's cool. Uh, for my pleasant surprise, I would say uh, uh, I would be pleasantly surprised if uh, Ubisoft's The Division uh, was still on track to release. Uh, by the beginning of 2016. Uh, that game has sort of been really 
missing in a lot of ways that's that that are concerning so i if they announce a release date uh that would be my pleasant surprise and especially if it's in the time frame that they've talked about in the past uh and that leads me to my my big reveal um which uh i think is it's not too crazy uh but i think we're gonna hear about a far cry offshoot series Hmm. uh that's going to be sort of similar to what they've done with Assassin's Creed Chronicles. Uh, I think they're going to they're gonna take that franchise and they're going to split it off and try something radically new with it. And I'm interested to see what that'll be. Not a bad uh, one. Yeah. What about you, Renzo? I have two, but I know I can only pick one. Um, so I'll say this. I totally can see them announcing. This wouldn't be a big reveal. Uh, they announced Just Dance 2016, and there will probably be some sort of very awkward showing of it with two people who don't know how to dance, but they just bring them out because they're marketing, and the marketing just, it fails it, but it's still announced, and they're just like, yeah, buy this game. My big reveal, though, I think now is a prime time for Prince of Persia game. And oh man, that is a great call. I, yeah, well, you, you know, I agree. like, and I miss that franchise so much. And they would have such a fan gain so much respect for them if they had a new one. So that's my well, big reveal. They've tried to reboot it like twice, and they've just fallen on their faces. So I really would love a, a return to classic Prince of Persia. I'm not talking like Mac Two Prince of Persia. I'm talking yeah, uh, the 3D Prince of Persia, which was such a fantastic. Yep. Game. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a great pick, uh, Max. What do you got? Okay, I'm going more normal on this one, I guess. I'm gonna say that Ubisoft, specifically Ubisoft Montreal, like Ubisoft is gonna announce um, a couple smaller, more artsy games, like in the vein of Child of Light, like maybe a Child of Light two, or something. Uh, that's what I'd kind of like to see because those games, the ones I know mostly of the ones that came out of Ubisoft Montreal. But they were just like gorgeous and really kind of innovative for such a big studio. So cool. All right, like uh, l- let's move on to Sony. Um, hopefully, they're not selling their PlayStation division. Uh, we'll see. Max, what do you what do you got for uh, your no duh? Um, my no duh. I guess. Yeah, I guess like you know the the big games. They're gonna show off Kingdom Hearts three. Really? They're, they, yeah, they're yeah. gonna show. They're it gonna off. show that off at Sony. Interesting. Yeah. Hopefully they will. Yeah, they did the big tease as their big reveal. Well, so, I mean, I, we know it's not a Sony exclusive. Yeah, but I I think they'll they'll show off those kinds of games. Um, okay. All right, Renzo. Uh, no duh would be. Um, I think with the huge-ass Nathan Drake poster that they have, I think they're going to show Uncharted 4. I don't know. That's kind of a whim. But yeah. I, <laughs> but, yeah, no, that was, that's, my, that's my guess, too. You know, it may be, hopefully they'll do this. Uh, I think it'll be like, you know, uh, letting people play it and then having gameplay reviews or people say what they thought about the demos. So that, that would be my no-dub. Yeah, uh, initially that was going to be mine, too. I was going to say Uncharted 4 uh, gameplay and release date. Uh, an yep. actual yeah. release date, but um, I think what we're going to see is uh, another infamous game is going to get announced. I think that's that's my no doubt. I feel that's like no doubt, nice. it's 
it's been a few years, and that franchise is still doing well. Uh, so it, it's it's time to, to to hear what's been going on there. I like that. Um, yeah. And my pleasant surprise is that uh, instead of uh, waiting for Microsoft to grab Call of Duty, uh, Sony is going to announce limited exclusivity with EA and Star Wars Battlefront. Uh, we're going to see DLC first for the PlayStation 4. We're going to see uh, unique content for the PlayStation 4. Um, and I'm biased because I'm going to pick up Star Wars Battlefront on my PlayStation 4. So that'd be a nice, pleasant surprise for me. Uh, Max, what do you think? Um, I think a pleasant surprise would be if Kojima showed up. That would be... That would <laughs> oh be, my god! That's not even a big reveal. Wow, you got something saved up there. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I... I I uh, I think he should make an appearance. You're not pulling any punches today, are you? You know, I, whatever. I just know what I know, so. Yeah, you you got an inside source. My knowledge is limited, so you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kojima this is a podcast up. where like maybe three people listen to, so I can just guess. Yeah. Away. No, that's fair. That's fair. I I like the guess. I like the enthusiasm. I like the just the straight out like. You know what? Let's go. Let's go for a hail mary right here. Let's see what happens. Let's do a hail mary. Now, as your pleasant surprise, you're just like, let's just let's have Kojima show up. Uh, yeah, that would be pretty, pretty. It mi- would be pleasant and yeah. surprising. Yeah. Uh, I don't even remember if Renzo went now. Like I'm just I still didn't, in shock. No. Okay, go, I'm gonna- go, Renzo. Please <laughs> distract me from that. Oh I can't God. believe that. I Oof. want this to happen. I'm gonna continue with Max's. I think. A pleasant surprise would be he's going to come out, he's going to say thank you guys, and all he's going to say is, get ready guys for MGS, Mobile Gear Solid, and then just walks off. Mobile Gear Solid. (laughs) By the way, I'm fired. Bye guys. Not develop. Yeah. (laughs) You guys, you guys are dropping bombs for the pleasant surprise. We're not even at the big reveal yet. And you're you're dropping Mobile Gear Solid. Oh my gosh. You're really uh, holding on to this whole... uh, yeah. This whole, uh, one, two, three thing. Yep, I like. All that. right. Well, what's your big reveal? My big reveal is Last Guardian is coming back. It exists. It's going to get gameplay huh. and huh. and release date for next year. Uh. That's my big reveal. Hey, I'm taking a shot. Taking a shot, Mr. Mobile Gear Solid. Okay. Wow. Look at you. All right. What do you, What do you have? What do you have for your big reveal? My big reveal is that Persona 5 is coming to the United States. Please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after Kojima, that's like, yeah, like, of course it will. Persona 4 did well. Why wouldn't it? I mean, like, now. I mean, like, immediately. Oh. like that it, day? it just came out. So, like, localization takes forever and i'm saying they're gonna be like yo dude christmas it's coming and everyone's gonna be so happy or at least i'll be so happy okay renzo dark souls 3 that's my reveal dark souls 3 yeah yeah i could definitely see i could definitely see sony revealing that that would be a big deal for them let's move on then uh nintendo Oh, Nintendo. You and your quirky weirdness. Um, my no-dumb moment is going to be uh, we're going to see Splatoon DLC out the wazoo. We're going to see so much dumb 
costumes for your ink kids <laughs> or uh, the dumb octopi that you fight, uh, new weapons, new maps, new modes. Splatoon's going to dominate like half of this, and we're going to see more Splatoon amiibo support. That's my, mm. my uh, no duh. Uh, Renzo, what is yours? Man, hopefully they'll, they better have more amiibo support too. Um, <laughs> my no duh... I'm going to put this as a no-duh. I think in their uh, digital conference, since that's what they have, um, I feel like they're going to announce or at least have some sort of support with Mega64 because Reggie loves the members of Mega64. And my no-duh prediction is kind of like... I forgot the name. What was the game that... Was it Scribble Nuts that you could like? Um, what was the one where you could like type something and then something pops up? Like you type. Yeah, like, Scribble Nuts. I predict either another one of those or. Yeah, like either another one of those or something where. I predict something else where Mega 64 will like just show up in a game, basically. And I'll take that as a no duh because they had another video. Uh, Mega 64 did another video in Nintendo. And I feel like they're probably going to have, like, some other tiny, small appearance in a game. It's, it's a small one. It's not really the most exciting, no doubt. But that's, that would be mine. Because I'd love to see that happen. Okay. Max? Um, my no doubt is more Amiibo support. Just in general, uh, with the 3DS and Wii U. For future games, past games, all that stuff. Okay. Basically, I'm expecting a lot of DLC from Nintendo right now. All right. Uh, and what is your pleasant surprise? My pleasant surprise, and I've heard this rumored, and I hope it's true, is that Nintendo is going to be announcing uh, some partnerships with big third-party developers for the 3DS and the Wii U. Yeah. So they'll have more third-party support. I don't know. I mean, I've... Shush, hey, don't crush my dreams. Okay, sorry. All right, I'll, I'll pass on that. Uh, I'll, I'll go next then. Um, my pleasant surprise is we're going to see the new Legend of Zelda. Uh, we're going to see more than a trailer and the producer talking about it. We're going to see a little bit of gameplay, and it's going to end with a vague release date, uh, like, you know, summer 2016 or something like that. Yeah, I could see that happening. Renzo? Uh, for pleasant surprise, more Star Fox. Uh, we finally got, gl- you know, at least got glimpses of that last year, like little teases from sh- from Miyamoto. So I think the pleasant surprise hopefully will be um, an actual trailer with some gameplay footage. So that yeah, that's a solid one. I, yeah. I think that's that's definitely something that I, I'd expect to see there. Uh, and what's your big reveal, Renzo? Mario Mobile. Mobile game, Mario. Well, we already know that's happening. They talked about that. Did they show anything? No, they haven't showed anything that's yet. What I, that's uh, what I think they'll do. Okay. All right. All right. Then, uh, then, then go ahead, Max. Uh, what's, what are you going to throw at us now? Uh, my big reveal for Nintendo? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure, honestly. We'll just say uh, Nintendo characters MOBA. Yeah, that was going to be mine. That'd be funny. Yeah? Yeah, yeah that was going to be mine. I, Why I, not? 
they're they're kind of at this point like all they've been doing is bandwagon hopping and that's super popular so give them a MOBA it's going to be a very different MOBA in the same way that Splatoon is a very different third person shooter Um, but I have yeah I think that that's the the way this is going we're going to have a uh, a MOBA, and it's gonna be it's gonna have a crazy roster of all the different amiibos, and you unlock characters with the amiibo. So you're gonna have all of the, you. You have the the model's so perfect for it. It's just yeah. Uh, there's so many people are gonna be so pissed by that. So especially they're not gonna describe it like a MOBA. They're gonna use like all sorts of vague terms to talk about it, and then someone's gonna be like, "Wait, but isn't this just a MOBA?" Yeah. So yeah, I I agree with you, Max. I think that's that's where it's gonna be. Uh, and let's move on to our penultimate press conference, Square Enix. Uh, Max. Isn't the PC gaming one the last one? Yes, that's why I said penultimate. Oh. Second to last. Yeah. Uh, so Square Enix. Uh, Max, what is your no-dub moment? Um, jeez. I guess that's the Kingdom Hearts one, then, huh? Kingdom Hearts 3. You will see more of it. They'll be like, please love us some again. Yeah. Okay. Kind of uh, for me, I'd say that it's going to be a Final, 15, Final Fantasy 15 uh, gameplay trailer, and then we get a release date uh, that we're, we're actually gonna we're actually gonna find out when this game is coming uh, and see more of its weirdness. Renzo, I was gonna say Maxine's definitely. I think more uh, Kingdom Hearts three is what they would hopefully at least really want to show to the fans with, like, you know, the big tease I had. So I'm going to go ahead and go with that. Okay. What is your pleasant surprise? Pleasant surprise. I think the pleasant surprise would be at least they've gotten to show actual gameplay. So I think the pleasant surprise would be revealing you can at least play, like, a demo of it. So that won't be, like, their big reveal. Obviously, that won't be, like, a reveal or anything, but I think that would be, like, the big pleasant surprise. Like, you can play Kingdom Hearts 3 um, at E3. I don't know. For me, I guess it would just be nice if uh, they bring over more JRPGs. Okay. Um, I think the pleasant surprise is we're going to see more Rise of the Tomb Raider uh, gameplay. Mm. Um, yeah. I really like the first Tomb Raider. I'm kind of sad that it that the second one is a is an Xbox One exclusive since I don't have an Xbox One. Uh, but maybe this will be the game that, that makes me go, you know, I have to have an Xbox One um, if Halo 5 somehow doesn't do that. Um, but my big reveal, uh, my big, big, big reveal is Gex 4. Gex w- is coming back. I want that Everybody to else happen. is coming back. Why not Gex? It won't happen, but I want that to happen. You really... <laughs> Gex 2, enter the freaking gecko. Oh. Yeah, you're bringing it back, dude. I like it. I like the shot. Yeah, I like the shot you're taking. Yeah. All right. What do you got, Renzo? Not one as big as that. I think you <laughs> you kind of stole it there. Um, man. Yeah, it's tough because I feel like Square would sort of focus on kind of what we're expecting and maybe not delve too much into you know, something new. Although I'm sure they, they'd want to, um, especially with like Tomb Raider, um, uh, happening. Like, I'm sure they'd want to at least show something to say, like, you know, like something new to come out. But I'm trying to remember now, 
because I remember were they the ones? Yes, that's right. I think they would show um because they're the ones that did Deus Ex, right? So yeah, I think definitely since at least they announced a new Deus Ex, um, I think definitely a little more like probably their big reveal would be like um showing a really nice trailer, if not gameplay, at least like a release date for it. I think they'll go all out and say like you know get ready for the new for Mankind Divided. Okay, Maxine. Square Enix is going to announce their full support of the Dragon Quest series and bring all of the ones that are still stuck in Japan over here. Yeah. And everyone be will big. be super happy. That would be a big, big deal. Yeah. That would be a very big deal because I think there's like five or six of them already that we don't have. Yeah, I don't know. I've That's not a series that I really keep up with, so... Yeah, I mean, it's it's another one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, people, that was their childhood, and that's why they want it. You know, people our age who are like, oh, well, I can afford games now, and I want the ones I played when I was a kid. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Uh, and let's let's move on to our final, final press conference. The PC Gaming Show that's being put on by PC Gamer. Uh, we got a got a lot of cool people showing off. Um, but the no duh, Blizzard's gonna dominate everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a fair fair no duh. I'd say uh, I was gonna go with uh, Guild Wars Two, a Heart of Thorns expansion pack. We're gonna see a lot of it. Yep, yep. It's a three hour press conference, so I think uh, I think ArenaNet's gonna really show off some Heart of Thorns. Uh, what do you got, Renzo? I'll take this as the no duh. Um, Maxine, I can see you doing something with. I can see Blizzard being a thing, but I think we may see more domination from VR. I think Oculus would want to show off um, what they have for VR. I can't say if Valve would be a no duh in showing off their VR helmet, but I would hope they do. So I would say at least Oculus having like a lot of new features to show like them and well, if... Oculus is supposed to be here because they had their own press conference oh for real yep yeah I mean I'm hoping there's something like if not then there's got to be something VR related that I think you know the computer that PC gamer would want to show so I would say if they're there um I'm gonna say Valve is gonna come and then show off okay their VR. what's your pleasant surprise Mm. My pleasant surprise. I think my pleasant surprise. I don't think I have one. Um, I'm the unfortunate guy that doesn't play too much on the PC. I'm that console and mobile fanboy. I'm like one out of a thousand. Um, I'll get back to you. I'm gonna try and think of one, and maybe bounce one off based on you guys. Okay. Uh, let's let's jump to you, Max. What do you got? Um. Well, I don't see... I don't know if they're part of the PC gaming list because they're not on the, like, schedule. But uh, the guys who are doing, like, the EA version of Steam... Oracle? Origin. Origin. I'd like to see uh, some support for Origin. Yeah. Um, for me, I think the my pleasant surprise is going to be Blizzard's going to show us a lot of Overwatch... And a whole lot of Legacy of the Void. I think we're going to get a Legacy of the Void uh, release date 
which is sooner than people think. I'm guessing by the end of the year, um, like December. Um, and I think we're going to see a, uh, a, a, a time for a beta for Overwatch, um, which is also going to be later this year. Uh, and finally, I, my big reveal is Cliffy B's game is going to be <laughs> a cooking game. Cliff Blazinski is right. going to be making a cooking game. That is that is the shot that I'm taking. Do you think like uh, a VR cooking game or? Nope, nope. Just a just like a just like a two D a two D cooking game uh, with guns. I like your style. Thank you. Uh, what do you got, Renzo? Well, I don't think I have anything that compares to that. But I think PC versions of games that will have been in the conference. So okay, so they're the last ones, right? So I can see either a big reveal that ends up being announced, ending up being announced again, but now like also on PC. Um, so I would say for this case, even though Final Fantasy XV is already announced, I I feel like their big reveal would be like seeing a console game like that um, also on PC. Um, whether Square puts that something like that on Steam or not, I don't know. That'd be pretty big. But I would see, I could see that being like a PC version as well. That would be pretty big, yeah. Yeah, uh, those have been historical console games. Uh, Max, end us with the biggest bomb, maybe, or just a nice little reveal. Um, we should have started with my, you know, Microsoft bomb because, or ended with that one because, honestly, I'm looking at the list of speakers and. Uh, I don't really have a big bomb for any of these guys. I think Renzo's would probably be the biggest one I could say. I don't know. I think a Cliffy B cooking game would be quite big. <laughs> Thank you. All right. And with that, we've gone through every single one of the conferences. We've given you lots of crazy, crazy predictions. Uh, by the time you will have heard this, you will know how many of them are truly crazy and how many of them were surprisingly sane. But now uh, we're still in the past and we don't know yet. Um, I'd also like to mention at this time, uh, again, that uh, we'd love to hear from you guys on uh, Twitter and through email at fp underscore students and student at, at uh, gmail.com. Um, we'd love to hear what you thought about our crazy crap because uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. Uh, so enjoy the rest of your June and hopefully the beginning of July is nice too. Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for listening.